When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. And here we go. Week four is now officially in the books. And there's one team that had a monster season a year ago that looks like is headed in exactly the opposite direction. Where does it go from here? That's the only place to begin. Here we go. Go, go. Only one place to start. Ball is out. Jones goes down. Again, the Giants recover the record for the Seahawks, 11 sacks. It ties that record now. I got to do a better job getting through my reads, getting the ball out of my hand, and making quick decisions. Just a bad night for Daniel Jones. Good God, the Giants stink. Let me count the ways. With Greeny here, as surrounded by the hashtag crew shortly, and my buddies Dominic Foxworth and Jeff Saturday. Good enough to hang out after we wrap up Get Up. Daniel Jones was sacked 10 times last night, lost a fumble, and threw a pick six. In all, the Giants quarterbacks were sacked 11 times last night on their way to a 24-3 loss. When you think about their losses this season, non-competitive against the Cowboys, non-competitive against the 49ers, non-competitive after 11 days off last night at home with on at least some level their season feeling like it was on the line last night against Seattle. Many of us thought, Dominique, that they probably weren't as good as their record a year ago. But how did they go from that to being this bad? Yeah, it's it's inexplicable. I think so. You could point to all the reasons why they lost. You could point to the deficits that they have on the team as far as talent's concerned. But getting blown out is not just about not having enough weapons, uh, not having enough offensive linemen. That's not the only problem. Like This also has to go to the coaching. So if we give them credit for overachieving last right. year, which we right. certainly did in giving them o- awards and uh, accolades – we have to hold them accountable for underachieving this year with a, a similar roster. So, yeah, they need to do yeah. some things in uh, in the draft and in free agency. But that's not the only issue when you're getting – you're non-competitive is the words used in every game this season. They literally have played one good half of football yep. against the Arizona – other than that, it is – it's not – I mean, it's awful. It is – well, they've scored three points in the first half of four – I mean – I think it's nine total. Nine, I mean, this is, this is atrocious. And so when you're thinking about the penalties on special teams, when you're thinking about missed tackles on defense and, – and listen, and I appreciate Daniel Jones going, getting to the podium and being like, hey, I got to get the ball out faster – it's really hard to get the ball out much faster than he is as he's getting smoked in the back. I mean, the, all of this is just snowballing. And the issue is going to be how do we bring it all back in and find our footing? Because if you look at this team, this, this team could be in, in the runnings for, you know, second, third pick in the draft if it continues to go this way. And from an offensive perspective, without Saquon Barkley, and I know he's coming back, he may not even be back this week, but if mm-hmm. he's back – Without Saquon Barkley, everybody on the team is significantly worse. Him coming back 
is going to bring something, but it's not like it just opens up an immense yeah. amount of explosive plays. That's what they're lacking on offense. And that listen, that's a long-term problem uh, for, for, for the Giants. There are so many different ways to dissect this. Again, when things have gone this badly, there are a lot of fingers of blame that you can point in a lot of different directions, which I think, Neek, was the point that you were making, and I agree. But just to, to talk about Barkley for a minute, the Giants played last night with their, their two best players. Yeah. Their best players are their left tackle and their running back. That's right. And, and if you're Barkley, here's the one when people say, well, why would you pay the running back? The one reason that you might is that right now, Saquon Barkley has no impetus to get back as fast as he can. Exactly. If, if, you're, if you're putting him on the franchise tag, you give him this little tiny incentive that he already has no chance to it. get because he's been injured. What's he rushing back for? You've made him year to year. So if I'm Saquon Barkley, I'm waiting till I am 100%. I'm not rushing back for who? For you? Right. After you don't, re- yeah. you don't, you don't reward me at all? Exactly. Your coach gets coach of the year. You give $40 million right. to my lousy quarterback. You give me nothing? Right. So you if, you're looking, left tackle. if you're looking yep. for a reason I mean, why you might pay the running back a little bit, that might be the reason. It's interesting because we did talk about how this might impact the locker room over the offseason. Uh, it's hard to be able to draw a straight line from that to what's happening on the field but you can't lie about what we're seeing we're seeing a team that played well last year all things considered without a bunch of talent around uh daniel jones and now we're seeing a team that is not in these games and that's like you should never should get blown out in the nfl right like you can lose you could be a bad team you could lose by a couple of scores here and there but they're getting blown out every week like they're a directional school in college like right. it's week zero yeah. or something like that's not supposed to happen yeah they're in get, the rest of they're, football yeah they're a get right game right yeah now. they're a get right game and <laughs> yeah. everybody feels good about going against some offense defense or special teams that that is never the place you want well to be. i can put a number to that i mean the giants and all three of these games have been in prime time it was the sunday night then it yeah. was the thursday night now it's this Monday night, they've been outscored in those three games, 94 to 15. Ooh. They've been outscored in those three games by 79 Good points. Heavens. To your point, maybe every team in the league will have one clunker where yeah. maybe you wind yeah. up losing by three touchdowns. To have three out of your four games go that way is unimaginable. And if you're looking for the single biggest reason, I would bring you to another statistic. Daniel Jones is on pace to be sacked 93 times mm. this year. The record is 76. Yeah. So th- their offensive line is unimaginably bad, and, and there has to be at least some finger pointed in the direction of Brian Dayball, who I could have lived without him throwing the, yeah. uh, the, the tablet in the direction of his quarterback class. Yeah, I hated that. Um, we know, where, as players and coaches, you know where the cameras are and what they're doing. And as a defensive back, one of the things that you were always taught not to do was if – there's a touchdown scored and you're the closest person to it, but it's not your fault. Don't throw your hands up and right. like look around like because you are then showing up your teammate. And Brian Dayball doing that last night, maybe he's not aware of it. Maybe the emotions got the best of him. But what you can't do is be the leader of the team who now seems like he also is not in complete control. So that was a bad look. And in a slight defense of the offensive line, some of it's also the sacks, or some of it's also on Daniel Jones For holding sure. the mm-hmm. ball. But that's also because he don't feel comfortable throwing it to some of these guys. And he's yeah. out there trying to make plays happen when you had Saquon was the one guy on this roster where it felt like 
Daniel Jones could have a playoff. Like, I got a playoff. Yeah. Something good's going to happen. We give it to Saquon. And, and now know, it's like all the pressure on him all like the time. Like last year also, I remember more zone reads with yeah. Daniel Jones, right? Like getting him on the perimeter to try to make plays. If you think about what they're doing right now, everything's staying in the pocket, in the middle of the pocket. Defensive ends are staying outside, and they're getting pushed up in the middle. Well, Daniel Jones isn't the guy who wants to step forward and go make – he wants to get on the outside edge and use his athleticism and his speed to go, you know, go get first downs that way. They've boxed this offense in – and they're playing from outside in because they're not afraid anybody's going to run it because that's where that's where Barkley would hurt you, right? Those mm-hmm. those hits up the middle right now, that's not happening. Uh, listen, this, this ain't going to get fixed overnight. I'm just letting you know, like, you look at all of it, this is not a pretty sight. All right, Greeny with you here on ESPN Radio. My friends Jeff and Nick, good enough to hang out afterwards. I want to have this conversation seriously. Mine is that sort of rare genius that will not be fully appreciated until long after, after its time. time. The genius, you said? You're genius. He's genius, eh? We're not going to appreciate your brilliance until you're gone. Brilliant. I've brought this up for years now. This goes back to a season in which Andy Dalton, quarterback of the Cincinnati Bengals, was having a career year. <laughs> And the Bengals were the one seed. They were trending towards being the one seed in the AFC playoffs. This was a time where that franchise, and in particular that player, could have rewritten his legacy. Think about how differently we would talk about Andy Dalton today if he had led a team to a Super Bowl. And then late in that season, in a game against, I think it was against Pittsburgh, Mm -hmm. he throws an interception, Mm -hmm. he jumps in there to try and make a tackle. He breaks his arm. He winds up being out for the year, and everything is rewritten. They wind up losing in the first round of the playoffs, and there's nothing left to be said, and Andy Dalton goes on into the comparative anonymity in which he will live the rest of his life. And that was when I first came up with my plan. There should be hovering over every NFL game (laughs) a low-flying helicopter that when there is a change of possession and a play, drops a little rope ladder... (laughs) And the quarterback, like Tom Cruise in Mission Impossible, grabs onto it and gets whisked away. Now, obviously, the helicopter (laughs) is the part of this I'm kidding about. But I mean it from the bottom of my heart and the deepest place in my soul that in a regular season game, Dominique, I'm looking right at you because I know where Jeff is going to go. Oh, my word. I hope so. (laughs) A quarterback should not be getting himself involved in a play where he needs to make a tackle. He needs to get out of harm's way. He's just too valuable. So uh, what you're protecting for is the injury. And I, I wonder what the injury numbers are on these tackles for quarterbacks overall. You've focused on a couple of things that a couple of times when it's actually happened and it's gone wrong. But what I would say to you is that there are some things that cannot be explained with analytics and analysis and numbers. And we are people. We are not robots. And whether you think it makes sense or not, the emotions of the game matter and the emotions that you feel uh, towards your quarterback matters. And I say all that to say a quarterback turning down the opportunity to help his team, put his team in a better chance to win by making a tackle, slowing a guy down like the, that image in a locker room is dangerous. It's not something that culturally is accepted in football. That is a very physical game. Now, if you are 40 year old Tom Brady, I think the people would understand, your teammates would understand, oh, Tom ain't going to do that. But for most quarterbacks in the league, 
you have a locker room that you have to hold on to to some degree. And if you are the general who's out there asking offensive linemen to, to subject themselves to hit after hit of their head, asking receivers to go up and fight for, to, for balls and when safeties are trying to kill them, you're asking for people to uh, sacrifice their bodies when you're pushing in for a quarterback sneak. You can't also be like, oh, that's interception. That's not my job. Like, it's hard to sell. And I, I know you've never played professional football, Greeny, but I'm sure you understand the concept of being on a team and working for people and working with people. There's something about doing things yourself, getting when you're the leader, getting your hands dirty, being willing to do that, <laughs> that, that permeates a team in a locker room. And you don't want to have that Greeny, issue. Greeny soft like the underbelly of that reptile. Dog. That's what Greeny, <laughs> Greeny, that, Greeny that soft. You know what I mean? You just you that little, little, little uh, underbelly. That just little soft underbelly of the reptile. They just push it. Just go. That's where Greeny is right now. He, th- listen, Dalton is playing the Pittsburgh Steelers, who is a division rival. Yeah. It was probably an enormous game. He throws a two-yard pass for an interception. Two yards, bro. It was behind the offensive lineman. So no one could help save this play. It is his duty and job. If you throw it, go fix it. That is part of it. And let me tell you, when a ball is thrown and it is intercepted, 10 other dudes on that offense, head is on an absolute swivel because you're going to get stole. The, the most injured I ever was in my career is after interceptions. And Big John Henderson or Stroud or these massive you are looking to decleat me, and they did a number of times, which means they hit you when you're not looking and you get, get you, your feet go above your head. So he is not above the fray and going to avoid this thing. I get it if it is a, you know, like you said, he's trying to chase down a play. There's no way he's going to catch it. Okay, don't pull a hamstring. But by God, if you have an opportunity to make this play and stop it, stop the play. It is what it is. It's football. I know you're not a football player. You're a quarterback. (laughs) But still do your best to make a play. So Jim Kelly, when I said this, um, sent me a text. And the text said, are you freaking kidding me? This is Hall of Fame quarterback Joe Jim Kelly. I said this on the air. He texted me one minute later. Are you freaking kidding me? Yes. Totally disagree. When I throw an interception, I would love to hit the guy that picked it off. There you go. Come on, man. That's my dude. That That's everyone, my dude. Everyone disagrees with me. But I'm right. And the reason <laughs> I'm right is because some people are just, you don't want to accept it. So let me ask you this, Dominique. Your equation, whole concern... Right? Your whole concern about the locker room dynamic. What if I do this? I'm the coach. You guys are players. I say to you in the locker room, I told the quarterback that if he goes in there and tries to make a tackle, I'm benching him. So you guys don't look at him. Look at me. I can't never- predict how any of this would happen, but I will say that that can backfire too. Go see the Seattle Seahawks. Like, that is a problem, too. When you feel like we are isolating people, putting them above. Right. Like, we all know that the quarterbacks are treated differently than us. But don't put rub it in our face. Like, right. it's a real hard thing to do. When you're winning, that's fine. When you're losing, and they're like, oh, but this guy, he don't yeah. got to run conditioning with us. <laughs> that's right. But that's this right. guy, he don't have to hit anybody. Oh, the plane leaves at 8 o'clock, but he shows up at 8.10. We're still here. But this that isn't about kills. the time of the plane, and it's not about the conditioning. It's about I'm a tr- play in which he might get injured very directly. I'm trying to make it use examples that will make you we, understand. Hold on. We 
all have potential to get injured every single play. Right. And, and a much higher degree of being injured than the quarterback. So if the one opportunity he potentially could get hit, hurt and you're like, oh, no, you don't do it. Everybody in the locker room is going to be like, hey, man, you don't care about me and my family? Like, what are you talking about? As a coach, you would lose a locker room in the first 10 seconds. You told them that everybody would look at you like you were high. And right now you might be. And all <laughs> You may have had an edible before you walked on the show <laughs> talking that nonsense at 10, 15 in the morning. So if there's one thing that we can all agree upon, it's that I'm right. right. <laughs> uh, Neek and Jeff, I love you guys. Thank love you both you, so much. Starting Stronger starts at AutoZone where they've got battery solutions. In the form of free battery testing, free battery charging, and replacement batteries that fit your needs. That's what makes them America's number one battery destination. Get in the zone with AutoZone. Coming up, the saddest statistic of the NFL season. After this on ESPN Radio. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Hashtag crew member Hembo. Why are you so excited today? Because the best postseason in, uh, in sports starts today. Major League Baseball's playoffs. Four best of three series. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, starting at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, culminating in my Phillies playing the Marlins at 8 o'clock at night. I think the baseball postseason is the best in sports. There's no, there's no greater difference in sports between the regular season and postseason than in baseball because every pitch matters all of a sudden in the, in the, in, with sold-out crowds and energy hanging on every single pitch. And what October feels like, to me, there is nothing like it. This is the best month on the sporting calendar, and Major League Baseball's postseason is the reason why. All right, so we will talk about that much more as we go. And again, ESPN Radio is your home for every pitch of the baseball postseason. So that's why he's so fired up. Bubba, you seem like you're dragging a little bit today. Is that my imagination? Why do you seem so tired? Yeah, a little on the tired side. I happened to be at MetLife last night. Uh, I was at the game. I was uh, watching the old G-Men last night. And, and they just made you tired by watching them? Like, I mean, was, was, was it their offensive line? What time did you get home? Well, there was, yeah, there was a lot of things that made me tired. The offensive line, just, just sitting there amongst Giants fans made me tired. But, yeah, I mean, I, I got back in Bristol to my house at 2.20 a.m., so that, well, that wasn't ideal. Yeah. Late night he sounds Bubba. like he was sacked 10 times last night. Here's the question, though, Bubba. Did yeah. you wear, yesterday when I saw you, you were wearing a Micah Parsons jersey. Did you wear that to the game? No, I, I, I didn't go uh, as a Cowboys fan. I just went as a general observer. So I, I, didn't, I didn't want to, you know, if I'm, if I'm going to a Cow, Giants-Cowboys game, I certainly would. But, you know, I don't like the people that go to, like, a random 
game, you know, so Giant Seahawks, and then just wear like a random Rams jersey or whatever. That doesn't make any sense. Like, if I was a Seahawks fan, I would wear it. If I'm a Giants fan, I would wear a jersey. But I'm not just going to go to a Giants game and wear a Cowboys jersey just to cause problems. Yeah, that, that, we could debate that a little bit another day. But today we have important business to get to. And I guess that will bring us nicely to our statistic, which is so sad. The Giants are one of two teams in the National Football League. And all of them have played four games. The Giants are one of two teams that has not run a single offensive play with the lead this season. And the other is the Jets. Now, it's amazing. Both these teams have wins. The Jets have won a game. The Giants have won a game. But neither of them has run an offensive play with the lead this year. The Jets won their game, of course, in overtime on the run back. I'm trying to remember. the. I remember the Giant game. They were losing at halftime in Arizona. Came all the way back and won. Did that game go to overtime? Is that how they won? Or did they win, like, on the final? No, they, they, they just, just didn't run just an never offensive got the ball back. play. Yeah, yeah, they never got the ball back. So th- there were plays run in the game. In, in the Jet game, there literally were no plays run by either team in which the Jets had the lead. They just returned a punt for a touchdown in overtime, and that was it. Other than that, it was either tied or they were trailing the whole game. So there's that. The Giants have not run an offensive play with the lead this season. That's how sad things have gotten in this oh. city in which we live. Oh, I mean, there are Giants fans that went to both of their home games and have still yet to see their team score a touchdown. That's right. It's unbelievable. They've lost those two games 64-3. to <laughs> and, and they're not just, like, bad. They're, they're uninterestingly bad. Like, the Bears are bad, but we, like at least can say things about them. The Giants just look awful. It's hard to watch. Giants fans are around the studio today that I were talking to. It's like, it's like a root canal. Like Watching their games so far, they've been the worst watch in the NFL this season. That's and they're so mad. We have a ton of Giant fans on the staff of Get Up, and they're so cranky on the meeting this morning, and they're yelling about Daniel Jones and everything, and I get it. Look, I can read you a bunch of really sad statistics about the Giants. They're the only team to play three primetime games so far this year. They're 0-3 in those games, and were outscored 94-15. to <laughs> Daniel Jones is on pace to get sacked 93 times this year. The record is 76. Jones was pressured 25 times last night, the most by any quarterback in a game this season. He's been pressured eight more times than any other quarterback in the league this year. The Seahawks are the second team ever to record 11 sacks and a pick six in the same game. The 67 Raiders were the only other team to do it. And finally, the Giants are the fourth team in the Super Bowl era with three or fewer points scored through their first two home games of a season. This isn't bad. This is a complete implosion. And there are two thoughts that come to my mind. The first of them, I think, is instructive for every team around the league, and maybe even beyond that. In almost any endeavor, the most important factor in success, I think, is honest self-evaluation. Okay? So we'll use an example. I'll use one that is near and dear to my heart. I've launched two shows at this network. One of them, which was Mike and Mike, we started with no expectations, no one paying attention. We had plenty of time to figure out what we wanted to do and what we wanted to be. And by the time anyone was paying attention to us, we had figured it out. The other one, which was Get Up in the mornings, we started it and the reaction to it initially was not favorable. And so I had to ask myself, and we all had to ask ourselves, honest self-evaluation, what are we getting wrong here? And we did, and we made a bunch of adjustments, and now we think that it is working. And, and there is some evidence that suggests that we're right. The point is, if you're the Giants, 
And what did they go last year? Eleven and six, ten and seven. They went uh, nine, uh, nine, seven and one. Nine, seven and one. And you made the playoffs, and you win a playoff game. Did that cause them to evaluate themselves incorrectly? Which means that was probably a team closer to needing a rebuild than it was to a championship. But because they had that success, did they either A, feel the pressure to, or B, mistakenly believe that they were a few moves away from winning a championship? Because some of the offseason decisions they made would lead you in that direction. The coach is riding high and the quarterback gets paid. And I'm not even going to get into this, Aquan, here, because they're not the only team that didn't choose to pay a running back. And that just is what it is. At minimum, it's a different conversation from this one. But do we think that the Giants evaluated themselves incorrectly? They inflated their own sense of how close they were and how much work needed to be done based upon their record last year. It's a great question. Not only did they reach the playoffs, they won a road playoff game, and Daniel Jones played great in that playoff game. But in the nine, they, they won nine games last year, but they were outscored on the season, which is a good barometer of maybe we weren't as good as our record says. And last year they played nine games against teams with a winning record, Greeny. They went two and seven and were outscored by 67 points. In other words, they were just a byproduct of their schedule. They won the games they were supposed to. They won some close games. And then they caught lightning in a bottle for one day in Minnesota in the playoffs. Then they lost to the Eagles by 31 points the next game and nothing has been the same. I don't know that they misevaluated themselves. I'm not sure if they took an honest look and said, we aren't as good as we just were, what exactly differently they would have done. But I definitely think that thinking infiltrated the fan base. Well, I mean, one of the things they might not have done is pay Daniel Jones $40 million. They made a two-year firm commitment to Daniel Jones. Now, I can analyze that either way you want. It's only two years. By NFL standards, he's not getting paid that much quarterback money. And it's two years, which is a reasonable time to make an assessment. The, the alternative was to franchise him. And you have one year to make your decision. Daniel Jones in that game, I just went back to it, the game against Minnesota last year that they won 31-24. Jones threw for 301 yards and two touchdowns, and he ran for 78 yards. It was the game of his life at the best possible time. And again, it may have caused them to say, you know what? He's really on the come up. Instead of the reality, which is he's just a guy. Daniel Jones is a guy. He has some skill sets. Is he athletic? Yes. Much more than he looks? Yes. Big, strong? Sure. If you put really good pieces around him, can you win games with him? Yeah. If things start getting awry, is Daniel Jones going to be the reason that you get out of it? Absolutely not. And that's not an enormous criticism. Most NFL quarterbacks aren't. And they didn't pay him like he was. They didn't pay him like he was Burrow, Mahomes, Herbert, so that's fine. But it does beg the question, What do they do about it going forward? That brings me to the second piece of this. Hembo, you keep sending me this note, and I will let you give it on the air here because you are the representative I have of ESPN's analytics department. We have a football power index that projects everything. What do we project for the Giants this year? We project the Giants to finish with the second worst record in the NFL. Right now, the Panthers are the only team that we project to finish with a worse record than the Giants. They have the third most difficult remaining schedule, in part. That's, of course, built into the calculations. 
They're not favored in any of those games. The Giants are an FPI underdog in each of their last 13 games. And to round it all the way back, they've got a 14% chance to get the number one pick in the draft. Only the Bears at 52% when you consider their pick and Carolina's pick have a better chance. The Giants are very much in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. Well, look, the next two weeks they play the Dolphins and the Bills, both on the road. Those are both beatdowns. Beatdowns, right? They're going to get beaten down, both of those games. So if the Giants find themselves, well, I'm not even sure why I'm putting this in the form of the question. There's no doubt, right, that if they find themselves in position with a top five draft pick, they're going to take a quarterback, right? Right, 100%. I mean, Bubba, is there any doubt in your mind that if the Giants finish with a, you know, a top five pick, which feels likely that they will take a quarterback? No, I, th- I think they will take a quarterback. Okay, so no, there's no doubt in your mind. Yeah, it's correct. A, I mean, it's a great quarterback class. And, I mean, look, as is evidenced by the contract they gave him, they're not all in. I mean, they made the best decision at the time based upon their options, but right. they weren't good. Right. But this is a good, this is a good reminder. Let's, let's not pay for the outlier. Let's not pay for the aberration. Let's pay for the body of work. From 2019 through 21, his first three seasons in the NFL, Daniel Jones had 50 touchdowns against 49 turnovers, all right? That's not the kind of ratio you want. Like, it's a very well-balanced offense, but not in the way that you want, of course. Last season, he played eight clean games. I define those as games, uh, games without a fumble or an interception. The most in the NFL. We know that's an outlier based upon Daniel Jones's body of work, and yet they chose to pay him anyway. Allow this to be a good reminder. All right, so we'll see. It does certainly feel like it's going the wrong way. A reminder, if you're not able to listen to our whole show when we are live, you can catch up on both hours in the Greenie podcast, available daily wherever you get your podcasts. And I will mention briefly, my daughter Nikki texted me yesterday. I will offer my kudos to hashtag Cam, who is the one who prepares our podcast every single day. The title of our number one yesterday was Green Zach's Version, which anyone who knows Taylor Swift knows that's brilliant because she had an album called Red, Taylor's Version. And so today, or yesterday, he did Green Zach's Version. My daughter alerted me to that by writing, and I quote, obsessed with the title of the first hour of your podcast today. So, Cam, you got a big thumbs up from uh, my, the 23-year-old Nikki Greenberg. I, I appreciate it, Nikki. Did she download it? Because we're trying to get our numbers up. Yeah, she did. <laughs> she, she listens. She listens. Nice. Great. She listens. There she we is. go. Now we're talking. She is a my big daughter fan. listens it. to the radio show. How nice is that? We cast a wide net. That, that's exactly right. She, she, let's put it this way. She was she was one of those who was watching for Taylor the other night in a big way. <laughs> she is as as she is as a swifty as swift as a swift. Can she does not get. know who Tris Speaker is. Uh, she, she does not. <laughs> she knows a lot more sports than you might think, or, or than than she than we're making it sound like she does. But she does not know Nap, Nap Lajoie. That was I, the worst reference of yeah. all time. I was given a very hard time. No, no, no. You should deserve that. it. So listen, Hembo, let me just catch everybody. It was up. bad. In, in it case was you missed bad. this, you could listen to the second hour of yesterday's podcast, and you will hear Hembo making the point that he went to a Taylor Swift concert with his wife, who is a Swifty, and that as he looked around the crowd, he wanted to make the point that he didn't see a lot of people there that he thought would suggest to be big sports fans, that just just looking at them, you wouldn't think they were big, knowledgeable sports people, which is a reasonably simple point to make. And in trying to make it, he tried to use an example, which is another simple point to make. So if you wanted to say right now, someone doesn't seem like a big sports fan, you might say... 
they don't look to me like they have any idea who Jason Tatum is. You know, not, not don't pick the most famous person in the world, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, T- Tom Brady. Everyone knows who they are. But like a reasonably famous, they don't look like they would know who, uh, 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 you know, uh, Damian Lillard is. Hembo, right off the top of his head, said, I didn't see anyone in that crowd who looked like they would know who Nap Lajoy was. <laughs> I don't understand why I'm being given a hard time about this. Nat Blagiwe had 3,000 hits. He was the first superstar in the history of the American League. That's How many current MLB players know who Nat Blagiwe is? He hit 426 is? in 1901. 100-plus years ago. It's a phenomenal ago, season. The TV wasn't a thing. You've heard of Abraham Lincoln. He was That's around the same time. He was one of his Very different. You know who that is. You've heard of him. <laughs> there are 46 presidents. There's a billion baseball no, players. There's only one Nat Blagiwe. That's true. The only one of them is named Nap. Here's the thing. Hembo, that reference is so ridiculous that it is a dated reference to make to my grandparents. <laughs> my grandparents didn't see Nap Lajoie play. In fact, they couldn't because there was no such thing as television when Nap Lajoie played. He was such a legend. They renamed the franchise the Cleveland Naps for a time. Mm. This is a good... This is a, I'm standing what by my What time are we talking about? 1905. And, and when did that cease? 1915-ish. Mm. Mm. So that was wow. a good 10 years they were the Cleveland Naps because they were so, they were so incredibly popular. I remember that. By that the just, way, uh, Hour 2 is called Life Jacket Ron, so people should check that out. <laughs> well, that was the also, other one. Yeah. yeah, Lifeboat Ron, Life Jacket Ron. I, cannot, I still cannot believe he didn't go for the two oh. because his offense was too gassed. That's one of the worst decisions and then the worst explanations for the decision I've ever heard. Mm. And you know what? It, it cost – they would have won that game. There's no question they convert that two-point conversion. It was impossible to believe watching at the time. All right. We got a bunch of NBA stuff we haven't gotten to today. I want to get to that coming up. Greeny presented by Progressive Insurance. Save when you bundle motorcycle, RV, and boat insurance. Visit Progressive.com. We'll also get you to the baseball playoffs because even though Nap Lajoie is long since retired, there are a lot of good players going out there. But it is time for Sneaky Hembo. What is today's trivia question? Yes, the playoffs begin today. It begets this question. Who is the all-time leader, the career leader in postseason home runs? The all-time leader in Major League Baseball's postseason in home runs. That's the question. The answer is next on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast. Coming to you live from the Seaport. We're brought to you by Grey Goose. Jam-packed we are as we kick off the best month of the sports year. Football in full swing in every imaginable way. College and pro. Hockey season starts this week. Basketball season starts in a couple of weeks. And, of course, the baseball playoffs start today. Every pitch is on the um, on ESPN Radio, which brings us... Hembo's trivia question today, which is... Who is the all-time leader, the career leader in postseason home runs? Okay, I have my guess written down. Let's see how we do. Uh, we will start with Cam. Cam, uh, who is your guess is baseball's all-time leader in postseason home runs? Manny Ramirez. Manny Ramirez is his guess. What do you say, Bubba? I'm going Derek Jeter. Okay. Neither one of them is my guess. So... The only thing that makes me not as confident about my guess is that the baseball postseason has expanded so much and changed so much. And in particular, a ton of Yankees and Red Sox played so many playoff games over that little course of time that he kind of scared me with Manny Ramirez. But I mean, all th- I will remember as long as I live that Mickey Mantle had 18 home runs in the World Series. And I think even though they didn't have any other playoffs then, I think 
that might remain the record. So my guess is Mickey Mantle. So we've got Mantle, Ramirez, and Jeter. What is the correct answer? The correct answer is Manny Ramirez. Oh, damn it. Well damn done, Cam. It. Well done, Cam. Oh. That, that was when I knew. I didn't have to guess that one. I had just known that. How many stat. did he hit? He hit 29. So Mantle is So t- he obliterated Mantle. Mantle is tied for seventh with 18. Isn't Altuve second now? Altuve is second with 23. Jeez. Bernie Williams is third with 22. And Derek Jeter is fourth with 20. Damn it. Nice. boy, Cam. I was last then. I was the, I was the last loser. If, if, if second place is the first loser, I was the last loser. All right, so let's update the standings. Where do we stand now on the Hembo Trivia, Cam? Three and six for me, two and seven for Greeny and Bubs. And? And 0-1 uh, oh for Mark Cuban, sorry. 0-1 oh for Mark Cuban. We can't leave out Mark Cuban. He played the game. We have to list. We must give him in the standings every single and year. And he guessed the Maverick and stupid slash sneaky Hembo. Didn't give him a Maverick to guess. That really was an unfortunate uh, decision on your part. You asked him a question to which the answer was not someone who played on his team. Right, but I wasn't given specific instructions otherwise. Uh, but, but, but see, most normal people would just assume he was being nice enough to come in and do our show if you're going to humiliate him by asking him a trivia question he doesn't know the answer to, at least giving him a, a, a fighting chance by naming a player who played for him, especially since Dirk Nowitzki is such an easy player, I would think, to create a trivia question around. Yeah, yeah, he didn't seem that amused by getting No, it he was <laughs> aggravated with you. Well, then and you, also, like, you also thanked him for a product he had nothing to do with on Shark Tank. No, he was on Shark Tank at the time in which the product was bought. I know, but it wasn't his. He appreciated the plot. He would have enjoyed it a lot more if he made that deal that and I made money by. of it. You're exactly right. It, it's like telling Paul McCartney that In My Life is one of your favorite songs, <laughs> when in actuality John Lennon wrote that song. You have to know which are the John songs and which are the Paul songs. And in and, Hembo's case, you have to know who John and Paul are. That is, <laughs> that's exactly right. I'm not talking about a pope. I'm ready to go right now. Light with Greeny. I'm giving Hembo the green light. We got all kinds of baseball started today. Uh, give us everything we need to know as we get set for the baseball postseason. Yes, yeah, so the w- four wild card series begin today. In the American League, we got the Rangers and the Rays. We got the Blue Jays and the Twins. I'm telling you right now, I like the Rangers to beat the Rays. The Rangers, when their whole have the best lineup in the American League, their whole right now. And I favor the Blue Jays to beat the Twins because the Blue Jays have what I think is a very consistent and excellent pitching staff that will be able to suppress the home run ball. So each of those two teams move on. In the National League, we got the Diamondbacks and the Brewers. I favor the Brewers to win this series. They'll be at home. They have the best pitching staff in baseball and have been for, for, for most of the season, especially lately. They'll beat uh, Arizona. I think the Phillies are going to beat Miami fairly easily. The, both um, Arizona and Miami are kind of only in the playoffs because the playoffs has expanded. Neither really have a postseason pedigree anything can happen in a baseball best of three of course but i like the phillies and the brewers to advance in the national league all right and that brings us to the question of the day you ask these questions greenie's question of the day because you made the statement at the beginning of today's show that the baseball postseason is the best of all the postseasons now for the purposes of this discussion let's limit this to the really popular sports in america so i'm going to include college football and college basketball. Those, I think, go with it. So we'll talk about the four major sports, pro basketball, baseball, hockey, and football, and then college basketball and college football. Of those, make the, make the argument that baseball is the best postseason. Because of the, it's every day and there's so much urgency. Like for, for football, for example, the games are huge. There's a huge crescendo. But you got to wait a week. Every single day, there's something massive happening in baseball. 
and you're only as good as your next starting pitcher. There are so many variables that go into it. The energy in a stadium for baseball's postseason is remarkably different than it is during baseball's regular season. And this year, with the pitch clock and all the new rules, the game's actually going to have some movement to it. And so we're going to have excellent games that are moving fast as, as, they, as they should and as they're supposed to. This is going to be the best uh, postseason we've had in baseball in a really, really long time. The urgency of the games, I think, is really what does it for me. If there's one thing you say that I fully agree with, it is that baseball is the sport where the feeling is the most different Mm. between a regular season game and a postseason game. Of that, there is no question. The, the, the atmosphere, because of the magnitude, because of the stakes, because simply it is impossible to be that invested in every single pitch of a, of a mm-hmm. regular season major league game. And they're not managed in such a way. They're always managed with at least one eye on the future, which is not the case in most other sports. And in the postseason, of course, it's pretty much every game is all hands on deck. Bubba, let's come to you. Which postseason do you believe of the ones that I I, I laid out here? I I don't want to get into like, you know, World Cup and things like that we don't know as intimately. So of the ones we laid out, which do you which sport has the best postseason? Well, I think uh, I would say from a group spectator sport, I think it's still probably March Madness. I would still go from that. But as far as like in person, I I would agree with what you guys are just saying. I, I don't think there's anything. Nothing beats going to a, a game, especially in the fall in the Northeast. You know, I've been to so many Red Sox Yankee games in the playoffs. The all the Mets playoff games. There's, those games are so much more fun and added adrenaline. You know, when it's just a, a crisp night and it's forty degrees. And it's just it's so much more fun. So I think those games are a lot more fun to attend. But I think overall, from a spectator, if you're counting everything, watching on TV in a group, I think I would go March Madness. March Madness. There's one vote for that. Cam, what do you think? Which sport has the best postseason? I'm going baseball as well. I think it's the most tense. It's the most dramatic. I think it's also the perfect length of time. It's a month. Basketball and hockey are like two and a half months these postseasons are. March Madness is almost too short. The first weekend is like you're down to 16 teams after that. It's very exciting for that time, but it gets a little less exciting when it's not game after game after game every hour. Baseball is there's games every day for a straight month. They're all tense. They're all exciting. Sometimes you get a blowout, you know, of course. Um, and then football is exciting, but there's, you know, there's just games every weekend, not every day. So I think it's it has everything that I want in a postseason. I, I think that the first four days of March Madness – that Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday are unlike anything else that we have in sports. That isn't the entirety of a postseason. Of course, it isn't my pick. Um, But I think there's nothing I enjoy more as a sports fan than those four days. I agree with Cam that it falls off significantly after that, unless you have a really significant vested interest. But we will pause briefly, and coming up at the top of the hour, I will tell you why none of you got the answer right. I'll tell you which is the best right after this. It's Greeny on ESPN Radio. Thanks for listening to Greeny the Podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN Radio. Or watch the show through the Watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN. And also available wherever you get your podcasts.